Welcome to the Food and Faith Podcast, conversations from the soil and around the table with your co-hosts, Anna Wolfenden, Derek Weston, and Sam Chaney. community. Uh, I am Derek Weston and I am joined by Sam. Sam, welcome back. What's going on, Derek? How are you doing today? Um, How am I doing today? It's a good day. <laughs> it's a good day. We're here on another Maryland-centric pod and I was, I was reflecting on that and I figured Heber Brown shouldn't be the only one who gets to wear an Orioles hat during our pod. So I popped mine on just because I think I think this needs to be a, a Baltimore-friendly pod. So, um, so ba- baseball is back. I'm looking out my window. Trees are flowering. Um, my garden is kind of laughing at me because I have a lot to do out there. But other than that, I'm doing all right. I hope you are the same. I, I, my garden is also laughing at me. Um, <laughs> so that there is that. So I, That's I, not I, what social media said. You're on social. Like, my garden's so awesome. I saw that post, buddy. There's a lot. Listen, like... There's, there's sometimes that I have to talk my, I have to do it for myself. I have to talk myself up. <laughs> so what's coming up? You can at least tell us what's coming up. Uh, so, so I got some spinach that's coming up. I got some uh, lettuce that's coming up. Lot, lots of greens right now. Uh, dealing with some, some uh, mustard and kale and collards that overwintered, um, which was great that they overwintered, but they're starting to bolt already. So Ooh. that, that kind of stinks. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll deal with that. You know. Cool. So, so a question. Yeah. Every good gardener loves to plant greens. Yes. I'm, I'm not entirely convinced that every gardener who plants greens eats said green. So how many, how much of that are you actually going to eat? And how much of it is just kind of sitting there so that you're not looking at empty dirt? All right. So I feel that, that, that feels like a, I feel a little called out, but uh, that's, that's good. We're, we're, we're... <laughs> no, I'm just this asking. Is a very, this is a very honest podcast today. So like, no, um, I will admit my first couple years of of uh, growing greens felt like yeah I would I would harvest them and they were like going from the ground to the compost bin. <laughs> um, but so I've had to do a lot more research on like finding good kale salad recipes and like my big thing has been anything green can be turned into pesto. Ah, okay. So, so like mustard greens can be pesto, collard greens can be pesto. I, and I like mustard greens and collard greens if they're cooked well anyway. Sure. But like anything can be turned into anything green can can go into pesto. Very so that's cool. kind of been oh. my that's been my like fallback when things when I have more greens than I I know what to do with, anything green can be turned into pesto. Look, man, I'm not here to judge. Okay. <laughs> The thing that I learned about my a little judged. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> look. I'm just, I'm just seeking gospel truth here, buddy. Um, what I discovered in my own garden is, yeah, like, like I planted a decent amount of mustard and kale, and I'm like, I got too many little kids running around who aren't going to eat it. Like, I just, we've tried and we've tried. The only solution I found is add bacon, which kind of takes away all the nutritional value in some ways. Or- so I am working hard to move from lettuce to spinach, like just replace all of my iceberg lettuce kind of junk with with spinach just in 
salads and on sandwiches and all that kind of stuff. That's working pretty well. And then I've also, I'm also growing a lot more head lettuce, you know, small heads there. That, that's a lot more donatable. And it's, it's, it's fun looking too. Like, yeah. so the loosely stuff I've gone away from, we just don't make enough use of it, but the head lettuces isn't too bad. So no, it's a, it's a growth process. We're all being formed into the image of Christ. That includes, <laughs> that includes our greens in the spring. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very true. It's very true. Um, so, uh, segueing into our topic, um, we, um, we actually did reach out to our, our, faith and our food and faith podcast community and kind of asked about what are some things you would hear like to hear us talk about and one suggestion came through about food and mental health and I thought that was really timely um, for a lot of reasons mental health has been on on our hearts and minds uh, a lot lately especially in the last year um but I, I had the opportunity of, of working with you, Sam, on some things that are going on at your church, uh, sharing a little bit about mental health. Um, could you talk a little bit about what's going on with St. Mary's and, and how mental health is, is working into the life of the congregation? And, 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 and how, is, how is that going? How are those conversations going? Yeah, um, and and thank you. I I wish we had the the Twitter handle to the user who to the Twitter uh, feed it suggested we we do this. We'll have to give them a shout out. Um, but uh, but yeah, it, it was a, it was a great it's a great idea. Um, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. We we did step into it at at St. Mary's. Um, you know we we were asking a lot of questions about what does it look like to come out of pandemic? Um, you know, just, and, and, and you know what, truth be told, a lot of it is putting church back to the way we remember it. Like I know things have changed, but there are some things that don't. Um, and, and, and church, you know, is, is what it is, but we're like, how are people going to arrive back here? Like what are, what's it going to look like when people come in and they sit next to one another again? And, and what challenges and struggles are going to, are they going to be carrying? And over and over and over again, from our very youngest members to our very oldest, um, there was a real sense of, I am lonely. I haven't seen anybody. I feel disconnected. Um, and all of those things just rang every bell in my own head as somebody who has who has had mental health struggles in the past. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's what we're looking at. On the back end of this, there will be so much joy and so much celebration. There will also be so much grief and lament. How do we handle that as a as a community of faith? Um, and I was struggling for answers like I as a nobody gave me a magic wand to kind of figure out how to how to handle grief on that level like the only thing that I could imagine was made at, at, at least in a white rural context the only kind of grief that might even come close to it would have been 9-11 and I wasn't a pastor I was a college student so what do I know about handling that I know other communities have faith have endured other kinds of grief and lament on this scale but for us what did it look like um and we're like, wow, like it's been a while since we've grieved and lamented and, and built that into our, in, in, into our, our walk with Christ, our, our faith walk. Um, and so said, I need some help. And so we reached out to the mental health network of the United Church of Christ. Of course, St. Mary's is a UCC church, and we've done a beautiful job um, in the United Church of Christ to build a network of, of trying to see those who struggle under the burden of mental illness as the beloved children of God um, who have not failed at their faith, but who have to walk through this journey as a part of their faith. Um, and so giving faith communities resources to, um, 
to walk alongside of those who struggle with this. And it's everything from anxiety and depression to significantly more serious mental health issues such as bipolarity, schizophrenia. Um, I'm hardly an expert on this, so I know there are other things going on, um, you know, even up to substance abuse and being aware of how that, how that changes our brain chemistry. And so one of the things they suggested to us is they said, Hey, we have a program called wise congregations and wise stands for welcoming, inclusive, supportive, and engaged for those, um, who, for people in the mental health, supporting mental health in the community and our wider world. And so we're going through a process to decide if we want to be a wise congregation, um, and so most of that right now thus far has just been storytelling and helping us to discover that mental health issues didn't just show up with a pandemic, that actually a lot of us who sit who occupy the pews on Sundays when we're back in because we're not quite there yet, um, those of us who are part of this congregation, many of us are already struggling with these things. And what we're discovering is that often those things are generational, like they are part of us. And so just telling those stories and hearing, um, hearing brave people like you, Derek, who are willing to go to a, who are willing to be a part of a project we were doing just with storytelling and share a little bit of your story to people that you don't really know at the end of the day. Um, you know, but hearing those stories has really started to open up some conversation. It's been really fascinating. So it's a really long answer to your question, but that's one of the things that we're working on, um, to address the situation on the ground. And, and we're, we're excited about the process. And how do you feel like the congregation's taking to it? I mean, uh, I know you, you were, um, you were really uh, engaged at the beginning of collecting stories and things like that. As the process has gone, how do you feel like the congregation has responded? Yeah, it's it's been really fascinating um, because I heard very little of any of this for the for the year or so that I've been here. As soon as I told my story from the pulpit people started sharing stories and the people who are sharing their stories, like won't stop sharing their stories. And I don't want that to sound um, negative in any way. It's like, it feels like there's this dam, this buildup inside of people. They're just looking for a safe space to drop those stories. And nobody's coming to me asking me to fix it. Like nobody thinks I'm a therapist and I've been very clear that I'm not a therapist and neither am I going to say, just pray your way through it. You're going to be fine. Like they just want somebody to know that not all is well, but that they're okay. Like it's okay to not be okay. That's the, that's the theme. So it's been, it's been really interesting um, in that respect. We do have a little bit of have more faith in God. And you know, if, if just, if, you know, you know, in tough times, rely on God. And like, I can, I can preach that message, but that's not actually what we're talking about when we're dealing with these kind of things. Like, um, this is not just a tough time. This is, this is something that is going on internal to us that has spiritual, a spiritual component to it because it touches our personality. It touches our deepest selves. Um, and so helping people to understand that they can have a journey of faith while also carrying this, um, while also carrying the burdens that they carry um, has been has been an interesting conversation at times you know we're still trying to find the language that communicates to one another um, but it hasn't been a whole lot of people who are like you know what if you've got mental health you must be a horrible terrible person that hasn't happened um, and I'm, I'm really surprised to see that in a rural context particularly a German pious rural context Germans are not are, are not known for sharing feelings <laughs> um, and so I've gotten more than maybe I expected, which has been really encouraging. That's great. That's great. Well, and I think, you know, it's also, you know, you can you can put the German piece in it, but I also think it's really hard 
for men to share about mental health. And I think it probably helped a lot that you kind of got the ball rolling, sharing a little bit about your issues and sharing um, about some of the struggles that you've had. Um, you know, it's been one of the conversations that, you know, for, for the, I, I would say probably for the duration of our friendship thus far, that we've been able to have these kinds of conversations. And it's, and it's I think it's rare um, for two male friends to be able to share kind of yeah. mental health struggles. Um, you know, I have, I have, um, I was diagnosed with depression uh, seven years ago, but I've probably had depression since I was a teen. And, and it's, and it's one of those things that when, after I was diagnosed, a lot of things became really obvious that were patterns of ways that I behave and, and ways that I deal with stress and conflict and anxiety and, and, and even just like, not have, knowing how to always deal with like my positive emotions yeah, exactly. and realizing that that's, that's a mental health thing. Um, so what, what part of this did you share with your congregation? I'm, I'm kind of curious. What part of your mental health journey did you share with your, with your folks? Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and I just want to double back a little bit and say what a joy it is that my friendship with you has, <laughs> has revolved around this. Like, it has this as a real component, not because I want either of us to deal with this. But, um, but yeah, I have, I have very, very few friends in my life with whom I feel like I can be open. Um, and so just kind of knowing, understanding and being understood. Like, I just feel very, that's, that's very much at the heart of our friendship. And I very much appreciate yeah. that. Um, Likewise. But, uh, but yeah, for me, um, you know, one of the things, the thing that I communicated, um, and I'm still discovering a little bit, there, there, there's two major things that I've, I've communicated from the pulpit. The first was how much um, trauma, which didn't have a lot to do with me, um, brought about anxiety and depression, which I also believe was kind of already there. Like once somebody said those words to me, I started seeing it, you know, throughout my childhood. Um, but I had a I had a really difficult um, CPE, um, clinical pastoral education experience um, that really kind of knocked me on my can for a while. And then six months later, I was serving in a church that burned <laughs> um, and, and putting all of that together. Um, just really, you know, I, I did not have the, the faculties to deal with that. Um, and so I've shared, you know, that I'm on, I'm on, you know, low, low doses of medication, um, to, to try to normalize that a little bit. And then as we've been, as, as we've been doing this and as I've been walking this journey, let's see, church burned 2013. So I've really, I've been wrestling with this since whatever that is, seven, eight years now. So you and I are kind of walking a similar timeline. As I started to look back and I've, I've really tried to emphasize to this farming community of which I am a part, like I've got, I've got roots here. Um, I start, as soon as somebody said anxiety to me, I realized, oh, there's anxiety in my mom. <laughs> like that was, and I can, I could, I could tell stories and I love my mom to death, so I won't tell them on the pod, but I could tell so many stories about how, yeah, her anxiety of trying to farm, trying to beginning to begin to farm in the middle of the eighties farm crisis and the amount of stress and anxiety that that brought on her and certainly my dad as well, but they have different ways of dealing with it. Um, I could see that very, very, I, I can see that very, very clearly now. And then as I thought about her, I'm like, Oh, my grandmother, <laughs> she, was full of anxiety too and like now that i look i'm like oh okay so this is this is part of the inheritance i 
I, I'm not judging anybody for that. Like, it's just, oh, like once I saw that it was generational, like all of a sudden I was like, okay, what do I not want to handle on to my kids? And so telling that story and saying, y'all, we've got this in our soil and we can do something about it. Like we can't take away our own, like we can't take away our experiences and just snap our fingers and all goes away. But we can think about ways that we're more healthy and we can think about what it is that we pass on. And if we come up with ways that, I mean, coping healthy coping mechanisms, um, if that's medication, if that's therapy, whatever it looks like, if we can model that for another generation, then maybe the ones who come after us don't have to get railroaded like I did. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's, that's so important of being able to understand those patterns, not judge, not with judgment, recognizing that like we have tools that our, our parents and grandparents just didn't have. Exactly. Yep. There were conversations that just weren't a part of the culture for our parents and our grandparents. Yeah. Um, but they are a part of the culture now, and and they are conversations that we can have with our kids. And I think that's yeah. you know that's incredibly important. And that's been one of the fun things about ch- this church conversation. Mm. We're finding out our kids are way more conversant in this. <laughs> Yeah. Like they're they're like they have a lot to learn about what they mean when they say certain things. But like the idea of anxiety, depression, treatment, therapy, take it like our kids are like like they are this is this is part of their culture. And so it's this really interesting thing where it's kind of flipped on its head and our kids are able to be open about it in a way that our adults aren't. And in this way, this is one of the things I love about intergenerational church. Sometimes our kids do a better job of sharing the good news with us than our, than our parents and grandparents do. And that's, that's been a lot of fun. That's real. That's real. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I think about the fact that, you know, two of my four kids are already in therapy and like yeah. they're, and it's such a natural part of their lives. Yeah. And like, it's, it's not, there's no stigma attached to it. It's just, yeah, sometimes I need a place to talk and sometimes it's easier to talk to this person than to talk to mom and dad. And, and like, again, there's no judgment, there's no stigma attached to it. And, you know, hopefully they're going to be a healthier generation (laughs) than than ours is. Um, You touched on, um, we're going to, we're going to shift and talk about food here in a second, but before we get to that, you talked about the fact that so much of this was driven by the pandemic. So much of this conversation was driven by the pandemic. It is for us, yeah. Um, in terms of, of mental health, like what kinds of things did you notice um, coming up for you in terms of your own mental health during the, I mean, again, it's, it's not over yet, but in terms of the course of the pandemic, like what are the kinds of mental health observations that you made about, about yourself? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I think the most honest answer is, yeah, I'm, I'm not entirely sure yet. Um, I have some hypotheses. I'm not sure that I'm ready to arrive at conclusions. Um, yeah. But I but I did learn, like, I know pastoring and, and public religion is you are a public figure. You may not be as public as others, but you're a public figure. I know it surprises a lot of people to realize that I'm an introvert as a public figure. And I know, I know you are as well. This is something we share a decent amount of. And so it was interesting in that I didn't struggle with loneliness. I haven't struggled with like, Oh gee, I'm not seeing anybody. Like it was actually, there was a part of me that that was comfortable. Um, 
but it was comfortable to the point like how some of us like it's comfortable to start watching a television show and then we realize that we've done nothing all weekend except binge this one television show like things that are comfortable then can turn into something that is fundamentally unhealthy for us um and so i've kind of been binging my introversion and <laughs> and i've and i've learned a little bit about myself by doing that um so that is so now I'm like, okay, how do I re you know, and we're getting ready to open our church here in a couple of weeks. Um, we're gonna have limited in person stuff, and I'm like, that's gonna be heavy lifting for me. So, and not even in terms of liturgy, we're actually gonna shrink the liturgy, like the actual work on Sunday is less. It's the interpersonal work that happens when people come in and leave. And and anybody who's lived church life for 10 minutes knows what I'm talking about. That's that's where I'm like, now like, what's that gonna do to me? So like the fact that I'm aware of it before I get there kind of signals, okay, yeah, I'll get a little better at this. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's what, that's something that I've, that I've learned about myself. Um, and I'm hoping that like coming out of the pandemic, like the pandemic oddly has shown me how I've grown as opposed to like really kind of knock me back on my can that like I can anticipate my own, you know, where the tripwires are and I can anticipate that and create solutions so that it's not, it's not, such a big deal. Um, you know, for me, it's always about lower, sometimes lowering the highs a little bit and elevating the lows, like just trying to get that sine wave a little, a little tighter. And that's, that's, that's what I'm hopeful for. Um, but I'm curious about you too. I mean, you've had so many things going on in your life, like, and that's one of the things like life has still happened. So there's so many right. variables, <laughs> but I'm wondering, you know, you've had a lot of transition as well and spent a lot of time at home. And so I'm just curious what that, what it's meant for you as well. Yeah. I, you know, and, and the introversion piece has been really interesting of like, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm married to a very extroverted person. Um, and, and so that, that particularly early in the pandemic, like was, was a thing that, um, she was struggling a lot more with that part of it than, yeah. than I was. And so like figuring out ways to connect with friends, you know, uh, zoom birthday parties, which are the worst kinds of birthday parties, <laughs> uh, but you know, like those, you know, those sorts yes, of things that we were doing early on in the pandemic, just to kind of keep ourselves sane. Um, one of the things that I, I've like, I'm beginning to do some reflection on. Um, so there's two things. One is that I noticed that, um, I reverted to a lot of like teenage things for comfort. Like I, I was into like, like when the pandemic was really kind of like at its, at its, uh, like when we were really starting to get into how serious this was becoming, like I was listening to '90s music all the time. Same. What are you listening to? I, I mean, I, I mean, it was, it was, it was every. I mean, it was Chili Peppers. It was Cake. It was Weezer. It was '90s hip hop. It was, it was all over the. I mean, it was all. Over I love the, you, man. <laughs> <laughs> it was all Nirvana, like everything. It's true. It was, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it was, it was, um, and it was, it was like, I, and I don't know why, I, you know, I think one is like, that's the period of time where a lot of my musical tastes were forming. Sure. And some, so there was something about like, during that, you know, teenage years are tumultuous. And so like you, you go and you escape 
into your headphones, right? You go and you escape into your, uh, for our younger listeners, there were there were these things called Discman. <laughs> uh, there were these things called CDs. Um, you know, were you so using like, a Walkman? Because I need pictures or it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, there was a Walkman there for a while too. Um, uh, so, so it was like, but, it yeah. was like, um, it was like 90s music and video games. Nah. Like, it was like, that was like, I, I felt like it was a, a teenager again. Of like, those did were... we have the same pandemic? Like, this is weird. <laughs> we, we, Carry on. <laughs> we had the exact same pandemic. Of like, those were the things, like, I kind of revert, like, reverted to like okay so i'm gonna buy a couple of games for my xbox and like i'm i'm gonna just kind of like let that be a thing that's okay to let happen because the world is turned on its head right now and i need some of my go-to comfort things um and so uh that was that was one of the things that and, and, I, and so i guess i, I kind of want to actually use that to um segue into a conversation about food mm-hmm. because food was one of those other things that during the height of the pandemic, um, you know, I, I heard a lot of people joking about gaining the COVID-19. Um, but like, you know, a lot of people kind of went into food for, for comfort. And um, I'm just really interested in, in hearing from you, like how have you connected food with your mental health either in positive ways or in in negative ways yeah and this is such an interesting question i I loved it when i saw it on the show notes and so it got me thinking i haven't really thought a lot about it but there were a couple things that immediately kind of popped into mind um the first thing that popped into my head was that i am a cereal coffee drinker um i just you know and i enjoy good coffee and i drink a lot of it like i don't buy the junky stuff i I don't buy super expensive stuff either like i feel like that's highfalutin um and i don't really like starbucks i don't love all the sugar and everything i just like a good cup of coffee with some cream in it and it occurred to me that a lot of that had to like i connect coffee with professionalism like it has always been kind of connected to being a professional and i'm not trying to be like religious professional just like like for anyone like showing up doing your job um you know putting in the hours that are required to serve the people that you serve and you can do that in a pulpit you can do that in a warehouse you can do that in a classroom you know like i have just always affiliated that so i wonder if my caught like and my coffee intake went through the roof like interesting I was joking because um, we have a Keurig, God, for, God forgive me, over at the church, and I have hammered that Keurig. Like, and I hate Keurig coffee, first of all, and I hate, um, I, I hate the environmental impact. Like, I have to plant like half an Amazon worth of trees to make up for the amount of amount of Keurigs that I drank. But, but it was one of those things. It was like as like it was one of those ways that I connected with. Okay, even though I'm not seeing people, I'm still showing up at the office because I live in a parsonage. So I just walk to the church. I'm still showing up in the office. I'm still you know preparing sermons. I'm preparing worship. I'm doing the best that I can to provide pastoral care. All those things. And so that was one thing that really kind of stuck in my head is um, just being pro- trying to figure out how to be professional. <laughs> When you can't see anybody and your industry, for lack of a better term, and I hate that term, but your industry is people right. at the end of the day. Um, the two, the, the one other thing that really popped into my head was how much pork we consumed. <laughs> and that I'm apologizing for. Um, we could talk about that later. But, but like just thinking about 
what food, like what food creates in me in terms of emotion. Um, pork, as everybody knows, we, we raise a bunch of pigs. And so it is, it's about when I eat that, I am partaking of the end of the cycle. Like it's, it's completing the loop for us. So it's not for us. I can't remember the last time I bought pork at the grocery store, maybe like a sausage links once or twice, but like, so it's never like, just go grab it off the shelf. Like I would a box of cereal. It is always like every time we put it on the grill or we, you know, put pork chops in the oven or whatever, it's we're remembering the stories that happened as we raise that because we raise our own. Right. And so, um, so there was a, it was in a pandemic when nothing was being completed eating pork was about completing the cycle. It was about the completeness of something. It was about life for us when, you know, when everything else felt like life was, was going away or was, was shattered. And so taking care of all of our pigs over the summer was really good for us in terms of our mental health, but eating it actually had a lot to do with that. And we love pork. So it has an element of celebration to it as well. I mean, you know, you, Every time we throw open the grill, I mean, if, if, if you picture yourself grilling something right now, I'm sure there are friends there on the grill, like on yeah. your porch with you. Like, yeah. so grill is always about community. And so, you know, for, for us that, that those pork products were always about family and about friends and, you know, and celebrating and life well lived and food that was well raised. So, um, I wonder if the amount of pork that we consumed had more to do with feeling those emotions than it was like trying to mediate how much red, well, I guess pork's not red meat, <laughs> how much meat we actually ate. But those, those are the two things that came to mind. Maybe there are more, but those are the first two things that I thought about. Yeah. Um, That's really interesting. Um, so I, I am, I am a, I am a caricature uh, in that um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I was one of those people who started baking bread uh, when the pandemic... yes, you are one of those sourdough people. <laughs> uh, in fact, I have I have I have two uh, yes, you started again, <laughs> needing to be thrown into the oven. Um, but but so two things happened. One, I I started baking bread sort of in earnest, um, and um, my wife bought a smoker, and um, so so for me it was about these like the whole world was slowing down. And like, for me, it was about leaning into the world slowing down because I, for one, am all for the world slowing down. Sure. And, and so like having this, this kind of slow process of like kneading bread and sitting it like so much of baking bread is leaving bread alone. <laughs> it's, yes. it's, it's not baking. So much of baking bread is not baking bread, not baking. It's letting it do its thing on its own. And I kind of love that about it. Um, and smoking, you know, we, you know, we would, um, we would do like pulled pork and, uh, I think we did a leg of lamb last year for Easter and like just having these like really slow processes where the smell is there all day long. And, you know, I'm a, not a patient person by, by, uh, nature. So like, constantly opening the lid and like poking at whatever's on on the on the smoker um but for me it was it was the way of like leaning into the the, the ways that life had slowed down yeah. leaning into the ways that like 
I am so used to having instant access to so many things and have these slow processes, which then actually end up with something that's better than what I normally have. Like the bread was better, the pulled pork was better than something I could get through a drive-through. Um, there was something just really meaningful about that. Now, um, that's so that's the positive side of it. The the negative side of it was also just like partic- again, particularly early, was the the mindless anxiety eating. Of oh, like yeah. we, I mean, we had. I feel like we had strategically placed snacks all around the house. Just about every night, I was hitting the night the nine p.m. first snack smorgasbord. Like I was just hammering them. <laughs> And like for me, I mean, and I'm I'm a person whose favorite dessert is dinner again. So like I would like I would have dinner, and then like a couple hours later, I would have what was left of dinner. And like there were, and then there were snacks. And there were there were chips everywhere. And so like <laughs> I, I really I really did feel like particularly early in the pandemic of like I felt like I was eating all the time. Yeah. Um, I felt like I was I was consuming all the time, and I was and I was very aware of the fact that I was eating anxiety. I was eating mm. to like I was eating to have something in my hands, to have something in my mouth, to be doing something. Yeah. Um, because for me, my my professional world came to a screeching halt when the pandemic hit. Like we, I was at an organization that worked with folks with who were living with HIV and we just weren't able to do any of our programmatic pieces. My, my professional world came to a halt and I, and like, so I just, I was eating all the time. Um, and that just became a thing of like, you know, people talk about eating their emotions and I didn't really understand that for a long time. Um, a few years ago, I, I started having that, my first experiences of anxiety eating of like, I am feeling anxious right now about things that are going on in the world. And, and instead of feeling that feeling, I'm going to feel hunger. Um, and, and so I would, and that was just a, it was a new experience for me. Um, Cause actually when I was younger, my experiences of anxiety meant that I didn't eat. Um, I would, I would just, I would walk away from food. I would forget to eat, you know, I would get so busy or so whatever that I would forget to eat. And the pendulums kind of swung the other way for me. Um, so, um, I'm curious for you, are, are you, 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 you actually, um, you all, you, you pointed out one, uh, being pork that like pork kind of, uh, brings out emotions of celebration for you and and things like that i'm interested are there other foods um that bring out for you that you connect to emotions are there other foods that you connect to emotions yeah i'm sure there are (laughs) um (laughs) yeah like and i i want to do this more introspectively than 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 just sort of thinking about it in in the moment um i also connect fruit with celebration um i just always think of a fruit platter you know bring out some watermelon put some strawberries on there the redder the better um <laughs> honeydew and cantaloupe are the two most overrated overrated fruits of all time Whoa. but if you push them aside just about everything else <laughs> wow yeah now i'm feeling it today um 
like all of that is linked um, for me to to celebration. Um, you know, bread bread is is connected with with me to solemnity or holiness, like like. Mm-hmm properly made bread and i am not a baker I, I i live with at least two people who are my my wife and my daughter are very good bakers um and watching their process like feels holy to me like there's something there's something very prayerful about it and i know that sounds really preachery but i'm just saying like that's what i feel yeah when i watch people bake um, i think that's an occupational hazard when it comes to bread but well, I, and you know and yeah but and, I, but I think there's something real about it too yeah and then i'm you know obviously as somebody who takes the bread and breaks it and serves and says this is the body of christ yeah i mean it, it makes all the sense in the world to me Can't escape. but that but that slow food that's slowing down that slower pace it feels holy to me and so the act of taking well-made bread just makes me go slower it it it, it turns my thoughts to god you know and 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 that's how that's how i've thought about it um you know and i know this I know this about myself and it's one of the things I struggle with. Like we, we, we joke in our family a lot, like, because sometimes the pace of life ramps up with three kids, one of who's a teenager, two of who are about to be, you know, this, you know, this well, um, you know, there are a lot of times where it's just like, we got to get something. We don't have the, we don't have the opportunity to like figure it out and come up, you know, well-balanced meals and no, we're not switching out the spinach. We're just buying the bag of lettuce and going for it. Um, so and our go-to around the house we it's frozen pizza we've always called it cardboard pizza like that's just been a a thing that we've partially because it tastes like cardboard but also because it comes on those little cardboard discs that's just that's been our language for it and like sometimes that's just it's just ease like which i think is okay like like i'm not i'm not down on it you know, every once in a while, it's like, yeah, hey, just throw something in the oven. Hey, that's awesome. We're actually going to sit around the TV and we're going to watch a game or a show and we're not going to have a you know, family dinner. We're just going to exhale. And like, that's fine. Yep. But just like I was talking about binge watching earlier, like I can see seasons where that becomes it's like we're just all exhausted. And it's like, oh, shoot, we've actually done a frozen meal like four times this week. And and that is that that at times can have affiliations to, I don't want to say guilt. I'm not sure that it's real. Like, I don't feel bad about that. It's just, it's connected with like letting go of my best self in some way. Like I'm not like, I'm not fueling myself the best. And therefore what's probably coming out on the other side, whether it's in my, in my professional life or showing up to my family or whatever, like when that starts to perpetuate, I start to feel like I'm not being my best self. Um, you know, and so, and that's not a good emotion. I'm not exactly sure what word I'm looking for, but I know the emotion is not well, it's not, it's not a positive one for me. Um, and so those are some things just as I think about our diet. Um, you know, it, there are other little things too. I mean, there's all kinds of food that are tied to memories. Some of them are fun. Some of them are are not, um, you know, but, but yeah, a lot of things that put a smile on my face and just make me giggle, um, as I'm, as I'm eating them. So those are some, those are some for me. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm curious what yours are too. I mean, it, and isn't it interesting how food so quickly ties to emotion, which is so quickly tied to mental health and, you know, to our deepest selves. And so yeah. what, it, what, what foods are taking you to your best place? And then what foods maybe take you maybe <laughs> to your best place? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, popcorn, wow. it, it, like, so like for me, popcorn 
movies like oh you're such a movie guy I'm, yeah I'm <laughs> like for me popcorn is like is like instant like it's escape it's happiness it's it's uh like i love popcorn love popcorn um it's like my that's my go-to snack like i love uh i love a good bowl of popcorn um makes me feel happy makes me and feels kind of celebratory yeah um for me meat is celebratory i think you you were talking about pork being celebratory for me meat meats in general are celebratory which has been very interesting in a year that my my oldest daughter became has been vegetarian now for a year Mm. a little over a year and then um two of the other three uh just decided to become vegetarian like a month ago and so like that whole aspect has been really interesting to navigate in terms of like, what are the, like, one, do I need to like project my sense of meat being celebratory onto them? Um, or is that something like, and, and like, do I feel like I've had weird feelings about, um, about my meat eating, uh, since then, um, even though I still come down to like meat feeling, meat just feels celebratory like meat yeah. just feels um like celebration when i'm when i'm eating it um so um yeah so like popcorn is celebration uh um meat is celebration um it, uh, for me it's it's i am I'm, I'm like you in that it's it's uh it's the processed and like fast food fast food feels like um a little bit like giving up and a little bit like i'm i am phoning it in and 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 like what what the the thing that's also interesting for me is like i i definitely have seasonal affect disorder and like so i i my my mood goes way down in the winter and that's the time when i feel like i'm more prone to getting fast food because like i just don't want to i just don't want to I don't care. I just don't want to. I don't want to. So I get, so I can drive through a place and, and, and there, you know, you said like, it's not quite guilt, but for me, there is a little bit of guilt because of like, because I'm, I'm now a person who's really, who's pretty knowledgeable about where food comes from. And like, I still, I still go there on those days when I'm like, I don't feel like putting in the energy. I don't feel like putting in the effort. And like, so fast food, fast food triggers, a lot of um it's it's resignation it's like mm. i'm resigned i've resigned to the that might be the word yeah i've resigned to the fact that i'm eating fast food right now or the, or the frozen pizza or you know the the um the the you know we don't do a whole lot of like we don't do like frozen dinners or anything like that but like there are some things that just feel like the we're we're phoning it in and like we're not just phoning it in for dinner we're kind of phoning it in for like yeah just i'm done with the day kind of thing like <laughs> this day could have been 12 hours and i'd have been fine with that <laughs> yeah exactly exactly and so and so that's that you know, it's just it's it's just a feeling i don't it's a feeling i don't love yeah um, it's a feeling i don't um but i i and i think we 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 work against it so much but like um but again like we're a house of six and like that's that's kind of that's kind of life you know yeah. there are there are truths around this i mean yeah we, we do not exist unto ourselves yes there are just some realities um so 
so we're both gardeners. Um, how how has gardening contributed, uh, particularly in this last year of pandemic? Like, how's gardening contributed to your mental health, um, or or like any actually like you know any of your farm work? Like, how has that contributed to your your? You said you know a little bit about the 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 pigs have been yeah. part of that, and um, how yeah how's that work contributed to your your coping with the last year? Yeah, it's. It's complicated uh, because because I've tied so much of gardening. I mean, shoot, by virtue of the work we're doing right now as we record this, I've tied so much <laughs> of our gardening to public ministry and to, you know, to, to put, so there's a certain amount of anxiety that comes with it because it's about, you know, I've tied it to trying to do better in the world and wanting to be a part of that. Um, but yeah, there are some really simple things. Um, you know, for instance, you know, and, and I've, I've told this story a hundred times on this pod, I'm sure, um, or at least had this reflection that going to take care of the pigs twice a day gives structure where no structure was available. You know, at, at it, and that, and I am a structure person, like not, and not everybody is, some people can float. Like I am a schedule guy, I am a calendar guy. And so that helps me feel accomplished and helps me feel like I'm contributing. And so just going, seeing the pigs, cleaning them out, you know, making sure they're fed, watered, walked, everything that needs doing like that, that really helped. Um, and not to, and, and I know it sounds weird, and I don't want this to be, I don't intend it to be kind of ethereal and, and, and fluffy, but like they, the pigs really do get to be our friends at some point. Like they've each got personalities and you get to know them. And like, I have, my, my girls are standing right over there. They'd come in and tell you, I have a nickname for every one of our animals. I have things that I say to every one of our animals, you know, jokes that I will make. They don't laugh, but they make me laugh. <laughs> And you know, <laughs> I'd be worried and, if they did. <laughs> I mean, that's just that's just part of the deal. I mean, that's how that's how we raise cows when we were on a dairy farm. That's how I raise pigs now. So, some of that, like you know, I'm like part of that gets me around the introversion. I have a pen full of friends, um, and they're a hoot, um, you know. But but on the other, but you know, in in other ways, you know, it mentioned a little bit of anxiety around around farming. But one of the things that I hear as you know, as somebody who's engaged in public ministry, um, this this inability, this feeling of inability to contribute. You know, so many people are a part of church, whether you know whether they have faith or not is kind of up in the air. They're not really sure if they believe what we're saying, but they feel like they're participating in something bigger than themselves, and. For those of us who pay attention to these things, we might call that an ecosystem, like being taking your place in one's ecosystem. And gardening helps me with that tremendously. Like it puts me into a place where I, if if I garden well, I'm contributing to the to the physical ecosystem, and as I garden, I'm contributing to the human ecosystem that is my friends and my family and the wider community. And so, put, helping me feel like I've taken my place in something bigger than myself. Gardening has really helped me with that. Um, when other people, you know, have, have really struggled, you know, and I'm not trying to say I'm better than, it's just that's one of the ways that garden functions in my life is that I'm not an entity unto myself, um, that we are creatures in an ecosystem and we, and, and, and we find our place in that. And there's great meaning and purpose in that as well. So that's how it's worked for me. Um, it also gives me all kinds of emotions of anger at pests and frustration that, you know, 
and you know volunteers who come and like hey i found this tomato i'm like great it's still green why did why did you pick it now <laughs> like you know but all those emotions are part of what it means to be in a human ecosystem so it yeah. it gives me all the feels some of them wonderful and some of them unbelievably frustrating at times yeah yeah but I find you to be really thoughtful about this. Like you think about this way more than I do. So, <laughs> well, I'm just out here farming for my life, but you're like thinking about it. <laughs> well, I think I think that um, that you know, your to your last point. I think one of the great things about gardening is it does allow for the full range of human emotions. And like I, you know, and I and and as someone who has often struggled with expressing the full range of human emotions. Like, it's really good to have a cabbage worm to be mad at. Like, yes. it's really good to have yes. that I'm pissed at. <laughs> and like, I, this is, you're getting the full brunt of my anger right now, Aphid. Yes. Sorry, but that's gonna happen. Please don't let your kids walk over the kale. I'm not gonna <laughs> eat it, but just don't kill it. <laughs> and, 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 and on the on the flip side, there is there is the joy of harvesting that perfect tomato. There yes. is the joy of pulling that perfect potato out of the ground, um, that perfect carrot out of the ground. And so, you know, that is what is one of the things that I, I do love about gardening. Um, you know, for me, uh, I, I feel really blessed that you know having a community garden to manage kind of came into my life during the pandemic last year when I, you know, again, I kind of gave some, some order and some space and some like some to do's and some, some, some feeling of accomplishment. You know, I think there is, there is the, um, there's the joy, there's the pride of, 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 the seed that you planted turning into something that produces something that produces seeds. Like there's, there's something that is, um, that really is, is that that's a rich experience. And, and it, it helps you to think of your, I, I think what you said is, is so spot on. Um, it helps you to think of yourself as part of an ecosystem in a way that I think is, is good for our humility but also good for our purpose. Mm -hmm. um, like we would both like, oh, I'm, 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 you know, I'm. Don't think of yourself too highly, but also like I do have a role to play, yeah. and that's and that's a good thing. Um, you know, I think just just um, you know the act of putting my hands in the dirt has so often just been so calming for me, and has been so reflective and introspective for me um, that that there naturally isn't enough space for anxiety to exist. Mm. And, and that is, that has been one of the great gifts of gardening for me is that it, it, it creates a, a, uh, a, it takes up a space where there actually isn't enough room for anxiety to creep in. And, and even if just for that moment, you yeah. know, like maybe that does, that might not last, you know, longer than the time it, it, it takes me to plant a, a, a row but like during that time, I'm I'm not anxious, and I, I I'm always grateful for those moments of 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 non anxiety. Yeah, no, I hear, and 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 for me, it's like I can look back and be like, well, I at least weeded, or I at least watered, like I did, I accomplished something. 
no matter how small, like that sense of accomplishment um, matters. Like it helps me sleep at night. Like, okay, I contributed to something today, to the to the, the well-being of some other creature in the world, human or non. So I wanted to end, like we always end talking about hope. Um, and I, I kind of want to think about this in terms of, I want to think about this, this last question in terms of hope. Um, what are, I think we kind of have these idealized versions of ourselves where we are living in these kind of right relationships with, with, with God, with other people, with ourselves. Um, like what is your, what is your hoped for relationship with food as it, as it pertains to like how you use food to um, pick yourself up or how you use food to, um, to cope with a hard feeling or, or, or to celebrate in a good time. Like what's kind of your hoped for relationship with, with food? Um, Yeah. No, I love it. And, and I want to, one of the things I'm, I'm going to start with something that annoys me <laughs> and that is that I think often we who like talking about food can use it in a way to virtue signal mm. like, and that, that, that drives me a little bit crazy um, because it's, it's trying to point to an idealized version of ourselves that I, that I'm skeptical about that in myself. <laughs> like I've, I've learned enough about myself. Not everything is right. Not everything is put is, is in the way it should be. No, I don't have a perfect diet, even though I talk about this stuff all the time. I'm not the perfect farmer. Like, and I just don't want a virtue signal as if I had it figured out. Yeah. And so, so I want to provide a lot of room and grace for people to just, and just, acknowledge their diets and their relationship to food as it is right now. Like, and this is, this is where I actually, I, I want to approach it more from a science background. Like the foods that we're eating are giving us data about ourselves hmm. and that's, and to just pay attention to that. Like, I think it's in like, it's, and that is, that is the miracle of food is that we, as we eat our patterns of eating, what we choose to eat, what we choose not to eat, all of that is data about ourselves. And if spirituality is on some level, there's more to spirituality is more than just self-discovery, but it is about discovering who we are. And, and as I simply pay attention to myself, I'm discovering things about myself. Um, and you, you've done this beautifully today, just asking, you know, Hey, what foods do you connect with emotions? Oh shoot. You know, it's a bunch of data I haven't thought about. (laughs) Like, Oh, that's cool. Um, so I learned something about myself today. And as we do that, like as we have that information, we'll, we'll make the decisions, you know, like, like, and, and we'll allow ourselves some grace for cardboard pizza. We'll also be like, dude, like stop, stop it with the pizza. Like really go get yourself a kale shake, like get up, like, like I am just really hopeful that the food that we're eating it tells us something about ourselves and tells us something about our relationship with God. And it can be positive, it can be negative, but it's data we can use to move forward. Um, and I think going forward, like, and, and to wrap this around to mental health, I had to go in, you know, they always want to check on me before they give me another prescription for my pills. And we had this conversation about, um, 
you know, I, I said, I'm totally fine continuing with this, but I know people like come off of this stuff. So like, are we looking at that at any time in the future? Like, I don't, I don't care. I'm just asking. And they're like, you know what? Yeah, let's, let's see what happens. And they're like, your body just processes serotonin too quickly. It breaks it down too quickly. But I sus but my doctor said to me, I suspect you're going to have a little bit more than you're used to as we open back up, as you're able to see your family, as you're able to go to a ball game, as you're, you know, um, you know, as you know, you, w w wherever we find joy, like there's just going to be more joy in the world, hopefully, um, fingers crossed. So yeah, let's, let's, let's try it. Um, you know, and so allow the foods that bring you joy to continue bringing you joy. Um, and as long as they're bringing you joy, when they stop bringing you joy, like, you know, when they, when, when, when they do take you sideways as any food will, um, you know, just be aware of that and just realize that sometimes God is calling us to feast. Sometimes God is calling us to fast and all those things are about, are about our deepest and best selves. And so I'm just trying to show myself a little bit of grace and just be who I am. I know I'm on a path. God is God is still forming me. God is still shaping me, and part of my and my diet's going to be part of that. And there'll be times where that grilling some pork chops on the grill with you and Shannon on the back porch, having a great time. It's going to be awesome. And there'll be other times, you know what? It's frozen pizza tonight, and both those things can be an expression of grace. Yeah. So yeah, I love that. It's a little preachy, that. but like, but no, that's, I love that's, it. How I'm, that's how I'm feeling about it as we're as we're walking through this conversation. I love it. And I, and I, I come down in a similar place of like, you know, more than anything, um, my, my idealized version of my relationship food is one in which I am mindful enough to find joy in eating mm -hmm. and like, and, and it doesn't matter what I'm eating. It doesn't matter if I'm, if I'm, if I'm, you know, to hitting the drive-through at Popeyes. That's, that's, that's happened recently. Is, is, uh, so that's your go-to. Okay. <laughs> it's become gotcha. it's, it's become my go-to. That, <laughs> that chicken sandwich is not, in fact, overrated. Um, I've never had one. I got to do this. But anyway, they're, they're, they're not bad. They're not bad at all. Um, but you know, whether it's whether it's whether it's the meal that you know Shannon and I have lovingly prepared using all of our skills, or the thing that that the the door the DoorDash guy drops off at our house then like i i want to have the the same level of of joy in the eating and recognizing that like there's that DoorDash guy and there's there's the people who prepared at the restaurant that the DoorDash guy went to and there's 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 the there's the person at the drive-through at Popeyes there's there's people who are frying that chicken and at Popeyes and like there are still relationships and there are still people who are made in the image of God in every part of any of those systems and if i can I can slow my mind down enough to be joyful in the eating and thankful for the people who got it to me. Um, that will be a win. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I so appreciate what you, what you said about the virtue signaling. I think it's really easy for us who do a lot of thinking and reading and talking about food to, to, um, one to make it sound like we've got it all figured out and i i certainly don't um i think if if you were to uh look if you were to see a menu of of this past week for me you would know i don't have it figured out um 
but also um, that like there shouldn't be there shouldn't be shame attached to food and there shouldn't be guilt attached to food because odds are there's there are situations that brought us to the place of whatever it is we're eating and and food should be surrounded by grace yeah. um in the pre- preparation in the eating and and um and 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 in the community of of eaters there yeah. should be so no i love it you know it, if folks ask me you know and i don't know how we can do this without talking a little bit more about the eucharist if i can for a second okay. like <laughs> people ask me like, what's your theology all about? And like, I think I finally got it down to a line and I picked it up from Alexander Schmemann, uh, Orthodox priest. And he opens one of his books going, you are what you eat. And, you know, he was talking about the Eucharist, like as we understand the Eucharist, you know, you are what you eat. And that image is beautiful to me. Um, That's great. But, but this whole food movement is really about an incarnational theology. It's about saying that our bodies and the things we touch matter to God. Um, and so, and so, yeah, so if you are what you eat, sometimes that it, sometimes it's worth slapping down $200 for just the most wonderful meal that was so lovingly and beautifully prepared. Um, there's a pork chop in Frederick that I cannot wait for it to get back on the menu because it is the, <laughs> it's worth every penny. <laughs> like, you know, and so, but if I'm eating that experience, spending time with my wife, cause I ain't taking anybody else in the world there. I can't afford it, you know, but you know, if I'm eating that experience with my wife and eating the talent and the beauty of this meal and the talent of the chef and the, the care that was like, if I'm eating all that, this is an experience of God. The same way that if I'm eating a cardboard pizza with mindfulness that there are problems with that, like I'm not like there are, you know, the, we can talk about the justice issues behind it all day long. I get it. But if I'm eating the opportunity to allow my family some rest, to enjoy the baseball game that is on, to just to just sit and to relax on the sofa as an expression of, I don't have to make the world go. God makes the world go. And it's okay that I just do nothing for an evening. If I eat that, that is an experience of grace. And so you are what you eat. And, and, um, you know, and so your, your, your call to just be gentle with oneself, which is what I hear and what I see on social media feed. I mean, like, dude, if you show me one more burnt loaf of bread, I'm going to be like, dude, stop. Like, you're making beautiful bread. Please stop. <laughs> you have this weird non-virtue signaling thing about you, which is one of the things I love. Uh, but it's like, but yeah, like, like, like it, being gentle with oneself and understanding everything as an opportunity for grace. Um, that I think is, is a beautiful sentiment. It won't solve our mental health issues, but it might just help us be gentler with ourselves and with one another. And that does create an environment where we might find a little bit better mental health through our eating. Yeah. That's a beautiful place to end. Uh, thank you for that. I, I, I think you you said it perfectly. Um, so I actually did find the uh, person who tweeted us the idea, uh, Tom Boyer, yes. uh, at Boyer TG. Thank you so much for um, for suggesting this conversation, which I think was a rich conversation. Thank you 
Sam, uh, I really appreciate, um, you know, I think we're gonna have to do this again because we are both introverts and like, we're both gonna walk away from this and think of things we didn't say. And so we're probably yep. gonna, have to do another, <laughs> we're gonna have to do another round of this. Um, yeah. But if you all, if any of you listeners have um, other suggestions of, of things that we should discuss on, on the show, um, you can um, hit us up at, at food and faith pod on Twitter um, at food and faith podcast at gmail.com. Um, or you can chime in on our Facebook page and uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, if you have any thoughts on, on this particular subject, we'd love to hear yep. more about how food connects to your mental health and, and your ways of being with God. Um, so until next time, thank you for being with us and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening to the Food and Faith Podcast. Our collaborators are Wake Forest School of Divinity, Plain Song Farm, The Garden Church, and The Keep and Till. Editing is by Derek Weston and music by Paul Deemer. Follow along and keep up to date with the podcast on Facebook at Food and Faith Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Food and Faith Pod, or on our website at foodandfaithpodcast.org.